It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.08 on a Saturday morning, 55 degrees outside. Welcome, friends. I'm glad you're here. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I'm here to help you be more successful and to do whatever you want to do in your landscape and know what you're doing when you do it in your landscape. All you have to do to get a little advice is to give me a call, 404-872-0750. Basic questions answered with... uh, with the confidence that you can understand what I'm talking about. If you don't know how to pronounce the name of a plant, that's fine. I don't care. I can't pronounce a lot of names of plants, and so I don't need to know the name, the Latin name of a plant. If you have a complicated, weird, strange question you've always wanted to ask somebody, boy, oh boy, do I jump on that too. 404-872-0750. First in line, David is out in Tucker, Georgia, and joins us. Hey, David, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I understand you have a successful lilac tree, shrub, yeah. whatever. I was out uh, smelling it yesterday, David. I could take my iPhone out and show it right here on the microphone. I have a beautiful white lilac blooming this very minute. Now, I have been told that there's such a thing as a common lilac originally out of Eastern Europe mm. that's good for this environment or a Persian. What is are there really any that are great for this environment, and what's the deal? Yeah. Sun, partial sun, what's up? Well, the common lilac, the, the name actually sort of implies commonality, is Syringa, which is the genus name, vulgaris, which means common, the vulgar lilac. And so Syringa vulgaris is the common lilac. And like you said, it's native over to where the Balkans or someplace over in Eastern Europe. And... Um, that's the one that has been most commonly planted in the U.S. and most commonly crossbred in you know, various genetic breeding programs. And from that breeding program, there have come some common lilacs that have varieties that are, co- that are uh, heat tolerant. And th- the one that I have is called Betsy Ross. And I have another one called Dark Knight, which is sort of a real deep purple um, let's see, it seems like there's another one. There's White Angel, blooms pretty well, I've seen in Georgia. Uh, the Miss Kim is a different kind of lilac. It is uh, Syringa patula, Syringa lacinata, Syringa something or other. But anyway, there's another species of lilac that is Miss Kim. Looks like the others, but not quite as big, I suppose. And not quite, in my, to my nose, not as fragrant. But Miss Kim is very Georgia tolerant. Lots of people have Miss Kim lilac. So, in short, what kind of lilac would you recommend for good old Tucker, Georgia? Betsy Ross. Betsy Ross, in my experience, has never had any cold damage, any summer heat damage. It grows to about, I mean, you've got to have room, David. It grows to about you, 10 maybe feet high and 10 maybe feet wide at maturity and has reliably bloomed in my landscape for 10 years, I'm guessing. Now, here should be probably your next question, David. Where do I get one of these? And to my knowledge, Pike nor any other nursery around doesn't carry lilacs because they know some of the problems with bringing northern varieties of lilac down here. They don't do so well in the Georgia heat. 
So nobody much carries lilacs other than maybe some of the specialty nurseries around the uh, family tree over in Snellville or Scottsdale Farms up in Alpharetta, maybe. I got mine online, if you want to know the truth. I bought mine online from something like Lilac Paradise or some crazy place like that. Well, but, I had some at the local hardware store. That's why I was kind of wondering. Uh, you saw one there at a local hardware store? Yeah. Oh, well, it's, nice. a, it's a root. It's not really a, a, a shrub. So much. Did it have a name attached to it? You know, that I did not catch. If I just, it doesn't uh, have a name, I probably wouldn't plant it because I know that the variety that works here is the ones that I've talked about and the ones that are just dug up or planted from seed from somebody's yard in, in Illinois or Boston. Those are probably not going to do well in Georgia. Mm. Okay. Mm. All right. Betsy Ross. All right. Betsy Ross, Dark Knight, White Angel, all three of those online. Get them, plant them, smell good. Thank you very much. You bet, David. Thanks for calling. We got uh, John in Ballground, Georgia, joining us as well. Hey, Ball. John. <laughs> hey, John. <laughs> good morning. Hey, man. Uh, I just wanted to comment first. I have some blueberry bushes, but they're on the south side of my house near a brick wall, and I think that brick wall saved them from any damage. May have, like yeah. Any yeah. of the flowers were damaged. Had a little little heat uh, from the brick wall stored up, and so overnight yeah. they got uh, got the heat from there. Sure, could be. But my question is, I have large clumps of daffodils, jonquils, and only maybe one or two flowers in each clump. The rest were just green stalks. Hmm. The three, let me see. How many reasons do I have for daffodils not to bloom? I have usually in my mind I have lists. First list, uh, growing in the shade. Second list, uh, too crowded. They haven't been divided in a while, and they just compete so much with each other. They don't have enough energy for any one of them to bloom. Uh, third one, I don't have a third one. Those are, the, those are the two reasons, shade or too crowded. That could be the problem. Then. They're kind of in the woods, and they, they're... Kind of large. They haven't been divided in a while. Yeah. Um, who was it? Alex Cody, my, my my teenage buddy, who's now 27 or 8. Uh, but anyway, Alex Cody, when he was a teenager, he and I went to an abandoned lot down the street from my house and dug a wheelbarrow full of daffodils from this guy's uh, house that had been bulldozed and planted them around my backyard. And the ones that are around trees in sort of moderate to dense shade haven't bloomed more than twice in six years. So shade, yeah, that's probably it. Okay, well, all right, then maybe this uh, job this year wouldn't warm up a little bit divided. Would it be a good time to divide them now or? You know, I think you're better off to do the daffodil division when the foliage has turned yellow, because at least they've had the chance to absorb all the energy they can in the shade. And when the leaves turn yellow in, what, May, June, then at that time you just dig the bulbs up and move them wherever you want to, sunnier. Would it be good to fertilize them now, though? No. You know, right now, even though I know the foliage is on them, they're really not absorbing a lot of fertilizer. If you feel like it, okay, but I'm not going to say it's better than doing it in October, November, which is really the time the roots are expanding and trying their best to find anything in the ground they can. When you first see the foliage popping up out of the ground, that's when to, f to fertilize bulbs. Okay, well, I guess I've got time to wait then and just do nothing for a while. <laughs> man, that's a great life. That's a fabulous <laughs> life, John. <laughs> hey, man, thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye. Doing nothing. Yeah, I'll help you do nothing if you feel like doing it that way. Doug is in Hampton, Georgia, Henry County. Hey, Doug, good morning. Good morning there, Walker. How are you doing? Good, yeah, ma'am. All right, man. How can I help? Hey, look, man, I got some, uh, encountered some, uh, tomato plant, big boy tomato plants. Yeah. Early. 
from one of the nurseries. And uh, I was wanting to put them in the ground, but we usually don't plant them until after Easter. No, 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 no. Just because they're on sale someplace does not mean you have to go and plant them, Doug. Come on. Yeah, I'm scared to put them in the ground because I'm scared they're going to, you know, I lost them in the, in the cold weather. Yeah, you know? and even if you don't have any cold weather, the soil is still cold enough that the tomatoes are just going to—they'll sit there for two weeks saying, why did you plant me, Doug? It's cold around my feet. I don't like it here. And so, to me, it makes a lot more sense. If you want to plant them, you could plant them in gallon pots or something like that. That would be fine. They'll be warm in potting soil in a black plastic pot. And then they'll be that much further ahead when it is time to put them in the ground, which is, what, first week or so in April. Right. Yeah, no. I mean, I got a pretty tray of them. I mean, they're good foot high, you know. I mean, yeah. they, I hate to lose them, and they they just starting to look like they start to wilter a little bit. Yeah. And I like put them in the ground. Don't put them in the ground. I think they're just going to sit in the ground. But put them in something big enough and warm enough to keep them out of the out of the soil chilliness and uh, keep them till first week of April. Well, you saved me a tray. <laughs> I don't know about that, but anyway, I gave you better advice than you got otherwise. I was gonna put them in the ground, but I'll wait. I'll wait a couple more weeks. <laughs> right. Tell them I said hey in Hampton. Tell them I said hey, Doug. I do, buddy. You have a good day. You bet. You too. Coming up in the next half. <clears throat> excuse me. Excuse me. Coming up in the next half hour. <laughs> Linda wants to know about planting her Leland cypress in the in the shade. Mm, Linda, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Alan and Roswell have a fatsia plant with brown powder on the leaves. Jerry and Conyers needs to protect his daylilies and Gerber, Gerber's Gerberas from freezing. What do you do about that? I'll think about those. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Walk along the river and a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's 53 degrees outside right now. Going into the mid-60s, very pleasant this afternoon. Perhaps a chance of rain. Several scattered showers here and there around the area before then. Tomorrow, about the same. It'll be nice tomorrow. Very, very nice. Some overcast, cloudy skies as well. Your full weekend forecast comes within 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Linda, come in here and let's talk about those Leland Cypress. I don't know about that, Linda. What is the story on planting them? Good morning, Walter. Morning. Um, I want to build a living fence between um, me and my neighbor yeah. and um, so we can be excellent neighbors then. Good. But part of this is going to be in, um, part of it will be in the shade and the rest in the sun. And I didn't know how well the cypress would do back there in the shade. How dense is the shade? Um, I, I think it gets very filtered sunlight back there. They're not going to like it. <laughs> Put it that way. They're not going <laughs> to like it being in the shade. They're, Leland Cypress is a full sunshine plant. Okay. Um, so at the very least, they'll be slower, certainly, in the shade than you would be out in the sunshine. You can give it the best environment possible and see what happens. Uh, how many are planted in the shade? How many are in the sun? Sort of what would make you happy or not happy if they succeeded? Um, we, I haven't put them in the ground yet, so I'm not sure. I didn't want to 
spend a whole lot of money on them if they're not going to make it back there in the shade. Yeah. Um, or if there was anything I could do to boost the, like a, some sort of fertilizer or yeah. something to help them along. Are you talking two or 200 or 20 or? Uh, uh, probably about 20. You're taking a real gamble. I'll just put it that way. Okay. And Leland's, in case you haven't looked around in the last uh, year or so, have really taken a beating around North Georgia. The ones that were planted sort of haphazardly back mm, 10, 15 years ago when there was a big building boom in the, you know, the exurbs of uh, Cherokee County and Forsyth County all around North Georgia. And a bunch of those Leland's were planted up there in pretty much the hole that was dug, same size as a root ball. And they're the ones now that have cankers and drought disease and just get dried up during the summertime, during the drought of last fall. So, if you want to plant them, okay, but you have got to dig a wide area for the roots to spread out in as far and as wide as they possibly can so the plant doesn't get dried out in the fall. And okay. you may get some, some good satisfaction from that. The ones that are in that dense shade, plant them a little closer than perhaps you would in the sun. In the sun, I don't know, a lot of times I'll say 10 feet is about right in the sun, but in the shade I might plant them as close together as uh, 6 or 7 maybe feet because they're simply not going to grow as fast and not going to interlace with each other as quickly in the shade as it would in the sun. And there might be a couple of substitutes to think about. One is um, cherry laurel. Cherry laurel is an evergreen broadleafed tree, and cherry laurels grow in the shade just fine. Um, What's another example of that? It might be some, if you have enough room, think about hemlock. Hemlock grows in the shade pretty well. Go on my website. This is another thing to do, Linda. Go on my website. Just like the word screening, because screening will take you to the webpage. We have all these lists of trees for different situations and find the ones that grow best in the shade and make your choice there. Okay? It's 728. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 736 and 52.5 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. As you heard just now, showers moving through the Atlanta area, and that means that this afternoon will be overcast, but clearing, warming this afternoon, mid-60s, of course. And I'll be in Jefferson, Georgia, for the Jefferson Foliage Fest starting around 11 o'clock, just in time for the sun to come out a little bit. And we will be selling trees there for the Foliage Fest celebration. They have lots of other vendors and crafts and music and all sorts of things. So if you want to come out to Jefferson, Georgia this afternoon, Morning and afternoon, I'll be there from 11 to 1 answering gardening questions there. Now, normally, normally this time of day, we are just continuing with garden questions, but today is a special day because our friend Mickey Gazaway needs to be on the line early this morning. Ashley Frasca thought about our prize pack this weekend and thought, you know, it'd be better if Mickey were on the air early. Hey, Mickey, good morning. That was a great idea. She is Thank so you, smart. Thank you, Ashley, because we looked at the times, we looked at the um, prize pack or the the uh, pike pick, and we thought, "Up, oh, we better do this early." So, Mickey, I will leave it up to you. What is the pike pick for the weekend? Well, fortunately, I think y'all have been. Ta I think there's been a uh, a commercial about it earlier, but anyway, it's the spring fever giveaway, which at the first fifty people that come in the store, we give them a little ticket. 
and then they go and they do their shopping, and then they come back and they get to choose between a group of um, of gifts that they can take with them, and there's some great gifts. So that's why we wanted to let you know early because the store opens at 8, at eight. and we don't want half of them to be gone before you get there. Yeah, right, and so, so if you and I had talked at our normal time of 8.30, that wouldn't make much sense. So our listeners now, if you want to be guaranteed of a gift at Pike Nursery, Get there at 8 o'clock and be in line to get your ticket. And what kind of gifts are we giving away, Mickey? There are some camellias. There's beautiful camellias. There's some drift roses. There's some different houseplants. There's some um, these uh, little succulent bowls. Those are some of the things that I saw. But there's some really Oh, and we had... We had, we had several things at our store. But it's really good stuff. But each day, there's a group of stuff. So... The first people get to choose from that group. So, so not only uh, today, but also tomorrow morning, too? Tomorrow as well. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So first 50 people in line guaranteed to get a gift at Pike at door open at 8 a.m. this morning. That's right. All right. And uh, this is one of those things where it's not tell the cashier. Simply give her the ticket and go pick something. This is with purchase, right. by the way. You can't just drop that's in right. and with purchase. pick something. And you that's have you go and shop and then come back. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. Good deal on that. So, Mickey, what are you doing in your garden right now? What am I doing in my garden? Well, oh. I'm feeling sad about my blueberries. Oh, One man. Thing. What happened? Well, the the bloom it was in they were in full bloom. I, right. About half the blooms look okay, so I don't know. I don't know whether they were in bloom early and they were in full bloom and they don't look really good. Right. So I'm kind of sad about that. But um, I have planted some stuff. I bought my um, uh, Boston ferns and my Kimberly Queen ferns, even though it was a little early, and I put them on the porch. Usually the earlier you buy those, the bigger they are, the more you get for your money. So yeah. I go in and get those. I've done that. I planted strawberries. Good, I've good, I've done good, that. Good. We've tilled the garden. Um, that's it. That's it. That's about it so far. I don't think I've ever I found a, a variegated acanthus, and I'm planting that. It still is out of the ground right now, but uh, maybe this afternoon, if I have time after being in Jefferson, I'll go home and plant the variegated acanthus that I found. Um, let's see, what else? Some black and blue acanthus. salvia. I a blue ribbon in, at the fair with an acanthus. Like you that. did. It wasn't a variegated, but I love them. Okay, well, wait, 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 wait. Tell me more about this blue ribbon. How and why and where and where and what was going on? It was at the uh, North Georgia Fair yeah. years ago, and I used to enter stuff every year, and sometimes I still do. I haven't done it the last couple of years. And uh, it was an acanthus that I had grown, and I can't remember. I had something planted around it. Um, a campus mollus, I think. Was yeah. what that was. I don't know why I remember that, but I do. But uh, I had to write a little thing about it, and I had to write that the acanthus leaf was the ones they used in the old Doric columns. Yep. And then, but anyway, it, I won a blue ribbon. <laughs> so <free>. that <laughs> every time I see them, I think of that. I think I planted some impatience around it. Huh. I believe it was in a it was a container, but it was. I love the fact that certain plants bring back memories of what oh, happened yeah. years and years ago. And I have certain plants in my landscape, too. I remember planting it, number one, or I remember something my grand. I can't go up by a Mahonia plant without remembering my grandmother assuring me that that was just a big-leafed holly 
And I, I didn't learn for a long time that, okay, it looks like a holly, but it's not a holly. That's a Mahonia plant there. But, but she didn't care. I mean, she, no, heck no, she didn't care. Heck no. It flower, uh, had the yellow flowers in the spring. It has broad, sticky leaves on it. Oh, yeah. And that but was, they're opposite. They're not alternate. Yeah. She's just one of her plants. And, I remember my grandmother. Yeah. I remember it was. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I do that a lot. I'm sorry. I apologize. Go ahead. Uh, the daffodils. Uh, we went to Gibbs this past week. Yeah. Got to talk to Mr. Gibbs, which was really fun. Uh, it was cold. But the daffodils still, there were some of the late ones. And I always think about daffodils when I think about our old home place in Monroe County. Mm-hmm. There are still daffodils that were planted down there, you know, 100 years ago probably. Wow. And I, I, I love looking at daffodils. They always break me. I talked to Erica Glazner, and Erica said he's the um, public relations manager, of course, at Gibbs Gardens and Ballground. And Erica said that their February this year broke all records from the daffodils that were blooming in February there. They were beautiful. I yeah. mean, even as late, this was late, but we were getting the medium, I guess, medium, not the late, but the medium. But anyway, it was incredible. It was beautiful. Nice. It, it, it's a beautiful place to be. Anyway. Sure is. But so Gibbs is Pike Gardens. Nursery. Well, it is indeed. And if you're in line at 8 o'clock this morning at Pike Nursery, except the one over in uh, Lake Oconee, I believe it opens at 9. Yeah. But the ones here in Atlanta get there at 8 o'clock. First 50 people get a garden gift. Got a ticket for a garden gift with purchase. And one more thing. Uh, we're having our decorations decorating with houseplants at all the bikes this morning. That'll be at 9. No, it's at 8.30. At 8.30. So stick so around you for, get up. after you, you get there at 8 o'clock. Stick you got to get in line for your other and then go there. Mickey, it's great talking to you. You too. See we'll you see. later. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Mickey Gasway, Pike Nursery, you bet. Alan is in Roswell, Georgia, and Alan joins us on Lawn and Garden. Alan, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Hey, I- I got uh, some uh, fascia plants, uh, several of them in the landscape that were put in about a year and a half ago. Yeah. And they did well up until this spring. And what I noticed was the top leaves and stems were very, very droopy. And there was this brown powdery substance on it. It almost looked like fine dirt on each one of them. And I went through every source that I know of to, to try to figure out whether it was a fungus or not, but I can't find any reference to it. So hoping you could help. Here's a word for you. Indumentum. Okay. I-N-D-U-M-E-N-T-U-M, indumentum. I noticed the same thing on my fascia, the little one that I planted, the spiderweb, I believe is the variety name of it. I noticed the same thing on the top of mine just in passing yesterday afternoon, and I thought, oh, it has that indumentum on the top of the leaves. That is the fuzzy stuff, the same fuzzy stuff on the backside of many magnolia leaves. And just in passing yesterday, I thought to myself, that's what's going on with that fatsia there. Go look and go look online, Indumentum, and see if fatsia doesn't have Indumentum, because I think they do, because that's what it looked like to mine, but I didn't bend down to look at it, not knowing that you were going to call today, Alan. If I had known, I would have looked to see more closely what it is. Mm-hmm. Brown is it stuff. Fatal? So no, it is not. It's just a natural thing. If I'm correct in my again passing observation of the fatsia there by the crepe myrtle in my front yard, I think I'm right. I think that's the just the natural form of the leaves when they come out. Oh, okay. The other question I've got is if you got a quick um, time. I have uh, a calithia plant. Yeah. Um, it's a young one, and my goodness, one by one, each of the leaves in turn is starting to curl. Mm. Um. 
I took, moved the plant from a, a sunny window um, over to a less sunny window, um, thinking maybe it's the light, but they're continuing to do that. Any, any thoughts? Look for drought and humidity. They really prefer pretty high humidity. This is a houseplant, for listeners who are not sure what this is. It's a houseplant, and humidity, that broad leaf, uh, likes to be more jungly than it likes to be in Alan's uh, house in front of the window there. So that's my guess. I know people who recommend misting. I'm never convinced that misting does a lot of difference on those plants. But if there's any draft from a, from a furnace vent or something like that, move away from that. By the windows, make sure there's no cold air coming down the face of the window. That is often the case in homes where the windows don't have storm windows on the outside, but the face of the window will have a little cold draft coming down, and that could be part of it, too. If it is, if to correct the humidity issue, what can I do uh, for as a houseplant? Um, not much. Just, I mean, to real okay. be real blunt, not much. I again see misting it as one recommendation, putting it on a saucer filled with marbles and water in the marbles. But honestly, you have to have the whole apartment has to be high humidity. And Alan, you're going to have a lot of problems if you have high humidity in your apartment, high <laughs> enough to make the Galicia happy. So the, I think the thing to look at is draft, something you can fix, and light, and something you can mm -hmm. move around and see if that helps a little bit. All right. Thank you, Walter. Appreciate All right, Alan. Thanks for calling. 404 is the number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the Lawn and Garden advice you need. This is the Black Keys. The Black Keys, awesome song. Nice, nice choice. Jason Byers, engineer and musical expert extraordinaire. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Weather's going to be changeable off and on today. Mostly showers in the morning, a little bit of showers in the morning, I should say. Warming up this afternoon, mid-60s. going to be real pleasant this afternoon. Tomorrow, overcast skies, mid-60s tomorrow, but a little bit lower temperatures. So you get your full weekend forecast in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Ken's out in Woodstock and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Ken, good morning. Good morning, Walter. I was wondering if you've heard any thing yet about how the freeze affected the commercial growers of, hmm. you know the peach orchards and the blueberries and strawberries and so forth man there was some mighty wrinkly foreheads <laughs> this week <laughs> from the farmers i saw on tv uh russell adams down in fayette county his strawberry patch he had irrigation sprinklers that are all over his strawberries because water coming out of the ground is higher than freezing temperatures, obviously. And if you spray the water onto your strawberries, many times you can protect them from freezing. And so Russell was doing that. And then the gay folks up in Jaymore Farms, the peach folks up in Gainesville, they were looking sort of, hmm, what's going on with our peaches up here? It takes a couple of days to figure out whether or not the flowers have been frozen beyond repair. So to be truthful, uh -huh. no, Ken, I haven't found out. I haven't heard if there's major damage, a little bit of damage, whatever. I know on peaches, 
you know, they have sort of a made drop anyway, and it's possible that enough of the flowers survive to have a good peach crop, and they won't have near as much trouble with thinning the peaches in the spring because there won't be that many to thin out with some freeze damage to them. But specifically for blueberries, for peaches, for strawberries, I don't know. We'll have to wait well, till guess, next week and see what the Department of Ag yeah, we'll releases. Keep our fingers and toes crossed. Maybe it wouldn't wasn't so bad. So. I'm not sure it's bad enough to short the futures on fruits in Georgia or do anything <laughs> that you Just want to curious. do to invest. Okay. All right, thank you, Walter. You bet, Ken. Thanks for calling. You heard Mickey just a minute ago mentioning that her blueberries got frozen, and even still droopy-looking, brown-looking blueberry flowers does not necessarily mean the fruit is not going to be there. If they were pollinated before the freeze, maybe the freeze didn't get quite cold enough to freeze the embryo, the thing inside the flower that causes, that helps the fruit or makes the fruit form. So, yeah, I don't know if we know yet. I don't know if we know. There are guides to assessing freeze damage, and I posted those on Facebook, which is one of the reasons I encourage people to follow me on the Facebook, on my Georgia Gardener Facebook page, because just as the cold weather was approaching and then as it came, I had two posts, one about how to protect plants from freeze, and then for another guy who had a peach tree, and I said, you know, pretty much you can't do much to protect a peach tree as a homeowner anyway, but I gave him a guide, and this is on Facebook. I have a page on my website of how to, um, how to assess the flowers of apples, peaches, pears. Um, did I put blueberries? I can't remember if I put blueberries in there or not, but these pictures that uh, show what the embryo looks like when it's frozen and brown and when it's not frozen, when it's going to develop into a fruit, they're very, very useful. And you can go out to your own peach and pear and fruit and, and uh, blueberry plants probably in the next week, and you should be able to tell if the embryo was undamaged. If you see a little tiny green blueberry developing, you're awesome. You're good. Good to go. You're golden. If you see a tiny little apple or a tiny little peach there behind where the flower was when it dropped off, then you're okay for that too. On the other hand, if you don't see any little bitty fruit developing, then hmm, better save up the money to go to the grocery store and get fruits in the summertime. It's 757 at Newstalk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. Swing and miss and uh, catch us mid-strike too. 